I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Welcome to the Wise Men Say podcast. We're looking forward to Sunderland's trip down to Plymouth at the weekend. My name's Frankie Francis. Joining me in the studio tonight, we have Michael Loft. Evening. We have Rory Fallow. Good evening. And we have Richard Easterbrook. Good evening. Hi, chaps. How are you doing? Very well. Looking Re- forward to the soccer again at the yeah, weekend. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Nice to look forward to the games. Bring on the footy. Uh, well, let's start by looking back at the weekend uh, where Sunderland uh, convincingly, right? beat uh, yeah. Southend 3-0 at home. It was never in doubt, Mickey. Well, it's quite funny because after the game, I think I said to uh, Craig, another one of the lads who does the podcast, I think I said to him that it was strange that we won a game convincingly without ever being completely in, tro- in control of it. Yeah, I see what you mean there because there was opportunities and it wasn't for a, a solid performance by John McLaughlin. Uh, the scoreline could have been different. I just think there's another one of them games where we didn't start particularly fantastically and then we scored a goal pretty much out of nothing through um, George Honeyman. It was a really nice glance and header after a good ball in by Gooch and Sinclair closed the keeper down to create the pressure in the first instance. So it was a really good goal. But like I say, I mean, I, I was really pleased with the performance but there's still certain elements I think we need to just tighten up a little bit. But it's, it's all coming together nicely. Yeah, yeah, cruising, Rory. Yeah, I agree. Um, like you say, Mickey, we do. there are things we need to improve on but... I think as games go on, the big factor we have over pretty much every team in this division is we are simply just better than them. We've we've got more quality. We and can... fitness as well. Yeah, the really fitness is After 60 yeah, minutes. Uh, they're massively short against Doncaster. I thought, to be fair to Southend, they did look quite fit and well-organised, and I think the, one of the best sides we've played, yeah. which is actually a testament to us that we didn't probably play exceptionally and still won 3-0. But the fact that we can bring on McGeady and Madger, who combine really well for yeah. the um, the third goal. No other team in the division has that depth. And we've got, I know people keep going on about this, but we've got likes of Charlie Wyke, Duncan Watmore, um, Glenn Leuvens, who could be back at the weekend. Yeah. No other team has those options. The fact that we could even afford to have Madger, a nine-goal striker on the bench, and play like Sinclair, who's playing really well, but has only got uh, one goal so far this season. The fact that we can afford to do that... Just it, sp- it speaks volumes. Like no other other side has that depth, and so the longer go- games go on, if we were either holding on to a win or we're in the game, either you know level or just behind by one goal, you're confident that we'll win the game or we'll get something out of it because those fitness levels, the options we've got, and I say the fact that our players just are much better than, especially than a, lot the, uh, of, a lot of other players in this division especially the McGeady goal Richard he, when he came on he 
he it looked like when he chooses to have a shot on goal, mm. this could go in, and that's exactly what it looked like when he scored. You think yeah. if he has a shot on target, he looks like it's going to go in. I don't think he even put a hundred percent into it to be honest. <laughs> the way he took it in and struck it across the keeper, and you're thinking it looks like a goal before it's even left his foot. So that's the quality difference, isn't it? Yeah, I think it's it's one of those leagues without being too critical of the goalkeepers in in the division that. If you if you've got a, a striker with a decent shot on him, if he has a has a goal, more often than not, he'll probably have a chance of it going in. We've seen that with with Maguire's goals yeah. throughout the season, and uh, and McGeady getting back into form. And I think if if the keeper hadn't taken a touch, it would have been a, a lot sweeter. But, yeah. Um, but yeah, another another good finish. It's going to be a nice little end of season highlights video. Yeah, and we saw possibly Rory one of the, uh, the not just the goals of the season, but goal of the last few seasons. Yeah, at, definitely. Park, yeah. Um, definitely one of the goals of the weekend ac- across all the divisions as well. Um, I don't think we were talking about it just before we started recording. Not, I don't think enough has been made of it. It was yeah. just absolutely, like as soon as he picked up the ball. You knew what he was going to do. Yeah, but you, you, yeah, at that point, there's still though. Uh, there's still I a lot was, to do. I was. I was uh, I thought he's going to have a dig here. You could yeah. tell by the way of yeah. shit, no, couldn't you, Mickey? And then when he did have a shot, you're thinking, oh, this would be great if it went in. Because it had travelled that far and you had time to think about yeah, it. Yeah, you had time to process. Is this actually going in? And it was oh, like, it's gone in. It's, it was one of those instead of like giving it like the usual, like, yes, like when it goes in, you're like, oh, yeah. like really, as, like. As, more of an, as, an astonishment. Yeah, exactly. Reaction. And yeah. it just adds to like this whole, like, almost mythology that's building around Maguire now, yeah. like the whole, like. He's the king, obviously the the tongue as well. Which tongue, yeah. Those which, who know know. Yeah, it was uh, revealed. Tongue, tongue wise aware. Say alive, wasn't it? Yeah, that by, one? by Kevin Kyle. Um, <laughs> but it's all like these like daft little things. The fact that he's got like a bit of a pot belly on him and stuff yeah. like that. The fact that he loves laughing at opposition players. So when he when like he is the perfect player mm. to rifle a shot into the top oh, corner from twenty five yards. It's just ah, oh, like I've, I'm running out of superlatives for him. I just absolutely love him. After a couple of years where. Apart from maybe Defoe and Pickford, we've not really had any players to like, really like and really yeah. enjoy. It's great to have like, not just a player who does well on the pitch, but like a personality who like every supporter I think can see themselves in. Like, yeah. you'd, you'd always like to think if you dream of being a, a footballer, like which I'm sure we all do, even though we're like well above the age <laughs> to be doing that. I'm sure we all have those little thoughts. Like, just, still happen just before we like fall asleep and stuff like that. Yeah, like you'd love to think that you'd be that kind of player who would like wind up opposition players yeah. and like just play like play to the crowd which is exactly what Maguire does like I just I love him absolutely love him the king definitely the king <laughs> don't know what anyone king. else says the shared love Michael yeah definitely I mean as, as regular listeners of this <clears throat> podcast know I prove on a weekly basis how little I know about football but Saturday was another one of those instances when Maguire picked the ball up and I actually saw straight away how much time and space he still had to like run into the penalty area or get an extra few yards you were sitting behind it all so you saw yeah, it all yeah yeah so, yeah, because I was sitting in the south stand, obviously happened at the other end. When he picked the ball up, I'm thinking, he can drive this another 10 yards. And the words, what are you shooting from there for? Nearly <laughs> yeah. came out of my mouth. And then the next thing I know, I, I was just like jumping all over and it's fantastic. But it just shows the confidence he has, to be honest with you, and the belief he has in his own ability and it's fantastic. I mean, how many players who have the confidence to take it on, never mind have the ability to execute it, we just haven't had that for a good few years. So, like Rory said, I just can't echo what he said enough. He's just a wonderful player to have at the club, isn't he? Uh, and at the back as well, a word perhaps, Richard, for the uh, defence. Uh, Flanagan has came at the, the side and he's really impressed. Yeah, he has, yeah. I really want to talk about Chris Maguire, but... but if you want to have... I think everyone... <laughs> Go on, then. But no, no, it's fine. It's fine. It's 
fine. Tension in the in the studio now. You, you, but just put yeah. it out there. You love Chris McGuire too, right? Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm definitely part of the fan club. I wasn't at the start. How is the love ometer for Tom Flanagan though? Yeah, that's it's up there too. It's up there. I mean, he's part of it. Less enthusiastic. Yeah, Is that because you really fancy him? So you're like being a bit coy, being like, "Oh yeah, he's all right. Tom, Tom, who again? Let's yeah, go, yeah. John, John, John Finnegan or something." <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm gonna get my friend to talk to him on the island. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Get Jack Baldwin to talk to him. <laughs> but that, that defense, uh, it wouldn't have. Des- I don't think that's the the first choice defense on paper. If you look at the the squad, but the. They've gelled. No, it's 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 a consistency now, and, mm. and McLaughlin, you can see, he's been benefiting from playing behind that same back four yeah. for a few weeks now, and that that that's gonna that's gonna grow as the season goes on. And now that the likes of Leuven's and well Leuven's and Ozturk on the bench, yeah, that, that that can only push those those two centre halves to to you know push themselves on even even more each week. Yeah, uh, and the uh, the left back and right back, maybe the left back, a complete surprise package, Rory. Yeah, um, Reese James just nice and solid going about his business. Like, solid. He's won this league last year. Yeah, like and it's like just sort of like seven out of ten performances, so it's like going a bit under the radar. But I can't. Was it someone I think on here a few weeks ago made the point about how it's getting the best out of Matthews? Um, yeah, how it's allowing Matthews to do the kind of Oviedo role because mm. Matthews is quite good going forward, but he's not the best defensively. So James is like slotting into that third centre-half almost, which which he, didn't he come off the bench and play a centre-half a game quite early in the season as well? Did he do it in the Charlton game? Possibly. Like I, I feel like he's had like a odd little cameo there mm. at one point, so it's it's not surprising to see him being quite strong there. Um, but on Flanagan, I'd go as far as I think he's been the best out of the centre-half this season. Yeah. Um, like Not as a dig to... like Ozturk's not really played enough. Um, I think Leuven's has looked quite good, quite classy, but... Obviously, pace is a bit lacking. Um, Bal- people people criticise Baldwin. They'll say like he'll have a sensational challenge, but he's always got a mistake in him. Yeah. He will make up for the mistake, but it's making the mistake which is costing him. Yeah, which know. I think is just being a League One defender. Um, I think he, he, he is having a really good season at the level rat. People are saying about him being a level above that. I think he's got improvement to do before that. Whereas yeah. Flanagan, I see a little bit more. I'm not saying he's being perfect, but... I think he's just a. Li- I think he reads the game a little bit better. He's like Baldwin. He's quite good on the ball and he's quite calm in possession as well. Um, but I, th- I think be- he's just a bit more, bit more well-rounded. Also, the the tackle he made at Bradford after the penalty as well. Yeah. Can you imagine like seeing Lamine Corner like mm. busting a gut to make that challenge? Like, Mark Wilson. Yeah, Mark Mark Wilson wouldn't be quick enough to make that That's, challenge. Yeah, yeah. Mark Wilson would have got injured on the run up to making that <laughs> challenge. So I. I I think as if Flanagan stays fit, which which there's no reason to think he won't. Um, I know he had the not in pre-season. I think over the course of the season he might go on to be to be the best centre half. I've been really really impressed with him. I think Flanagan's just another nod to how fantastic our recruitment's been over the summer. Mm. Absolutely, because yeah. I mean we were talking about Chris McGuire absolutely waxing lyrical about him earlier. Who would you thought we'd be talking about that from a free signing from Bury and Tom Flanagan again free transfer who was a squad player for Burton Albion yeah. last season. Not necessarily on paper the best players, but Jack Ross obviously sees how he fits into a system. He's done the same with Jack Baldwin because he played for Peterborough, who were quite a direct team last season. And now he's come to Sunderland where we play football a little bit differently and he slots into how we want to play. And Tom Flanagan's the same. And as I say, it's just it's just so refreshing because after years we've signed players who have been quite high profile, but they haven't fit into an obvious tactical system. And now we're signing players for a purpose and we're obviously doing background checks and doing our homework on these players. And it might just sound like basic things for a lot of football clubs, but from what we've had to put with for years, it's just so good to see. I think the benefit of uh, the, the better thing about that is that you say he's done his homework. He didn't have that much time to do it either. He was starting the, 
pre-season late. He was buying players when other players had been signed up by clubs. So for him to do that amount of business in that amount of time and from at the moment, not to get one wrong, is, is massively impressive. Yeah. Um, we'll move things along now. We'll pick up on that a little bit because during the uh, the week uh, we had a couple of uh, opportunities to hear from the chairman Stuart Donnelly appeared on uh, Rock Report podcast and also uh, last night if you're listening to this on Thursday um, he was on BBC Radio Newcastle with uh, Simon Pride and Nick Barnes and Marco Gabbiadini and a lot of things came out of those chats including um, recruitment uh, and who we missed out on on the summer, and one of them, which got a little bit of people a little bit excited, was that we, you know, he challenged, uh, he put in a, an, you know, made an attempt to bring back Jermaine Defoe. Um, now he didn't rule it out for the end of this season either. That's that's going to be something to be excited about. I know it didn't happen, and hypothetically hasn't happened. Um, but is something like that exciting to you as a Southern supporter? I guess the amb- ambition, like setting their sights like quite high, which is good, and obviously. You'd look at four costs that would give the club a bit of a lift because, mm. you know, someone who's universally loved at the club. Um, you do wonder how, obviously, it must have been very preliminary because wages must have been an issue if, mm. you know, these things are to be true about Oviedo on Catmull's wages and even McGeady potentially be a burden. But it's not to say Bournemouth potentially wouldn't have given given us on loan and, yeah. like, paid still majority, paid some of yeah. them, yeah, because apparently they did that with Lewis Graben last year. So... You don't know, and obviously Defoe might have not wanted to drop the League One, but be interesting to see in January. You yeah, know, it'd be we... interesting to see in January, and that's another thing uh, the owner touched upon. Um, other recruitment we could make in January. Do we need more players in January, Michael? I think this was touched on on Monday. I think it's really nice to think of the areas that we could strengthen because you look at the right back area and you think Donald Love is the adequate backup because unfortunately, even as we've gone down the leads, Donald Love just seems to be equally as average at best, no matter what league we're in. He basically is performing the same in League One as he was in the Premier League. Uh, is it worth keeping him around for Max Power's Instagram stories, though? Oh, definitely. Okay. Team morale. Team morale. Yeah, but whether we play him or not, he needs to just keep on getting extended contracts. Um, <laughs> <laughs> He's good for the gifts. You need to keep him for the gifts. Yeah, definitely. Just um, Because the banter era hasn't completely finished the football club. So no, if anything, it's in its prime right now. Yeah, yeah. You, know, you need so, to have some highs for the banter era. Can't all be lows. No, it stops not. being banterful. But also, I think right back, maybe we could do with another body because Adam Matthews, again, we signed him for the Premier League and he's and he's doing okay this season. He's 6-7 out of 10, but he's not particularly excellent. So maybe you'd think you could do with a little bit of better cover. But I don't think we need to do a huge amount because we could maybe do with an additional striker. But then again, with uh, Maggi doing so well, Sinclair performing well, White to come back, how, where are you going to get like, a, a striker who's going to be happy to be fourth choice, essentially? It, it's tough, so... I think as it stands, we've we've got a squad that's capable of, of, of gaining promotion this season, whether that be automatic or by the playoffs. And I think if if there is a pot of money, that needs to stay intact for any recruitment that we'll do in the summer, depending on what league we'll be in. Do you think it would be a waste of money, this is another thing I came up, if we uh, spent, which would probably cost a lot of money, rebranding the uh, the club because there was a, a, a leak. I think it was Charlie Methven might have suggested that he was up for the debate of changing the badge. Is that needed right now, Rory? There's there's bigger priorities now, isn't there? Um, I've got no strong feelings either way. I mean, for, for people of a certain generation, I understand why they're not too attached to the current badge. But for me personally... Um, that's the badge I've always known Sunderland have, really. They changed badge in 1997. Um, I didn't really start going to games regularly until about three years after that. So it's the badge I've always known. Um, it's not like the best football club badge in the world, but it still feels like ours to me. Yeah. Um, 
you know, the old ship badge is great, but I don't think they would go totally back to that. Um, so it's we don't make ships anymore either. Yeah, well, you should put a Nissan Leaf on it. <laughs> <laughs> They're getting shipped out from there. Green from energy the badge. Yeah, yeah. Well, if Brexit goes wrong, we won't even be able to do that. Let's so. not get into that, Michael. Yeah. Are you pro the pro badge? Definitely didn't say pro Brexit. Are you in favour of keeping the badge which it is at the moment? Yeah, yeah. I mean, as corny as it sounds, I think we've already done a rebranding of a football club over the summer. In the in the way that the mentality's changed, we've got players nice. who are here who are committed to want to play for the shirt, etc., etc. So yeah, I don't think it's necessary to do it with a badge or the change of a stadium name at this stage. Well, the change of the stadium name will come in a second, but Richard, I want to get your thoughts on the badge. I think what we're what we're forgetting is that, as Rory said, there's a whole generation that's grown up with that badge, and they've got a, a different set of attachment to that to that badge. We, we all remember the the seventies eighties one, which do which you? is look. Do we? I mean, the, well, the one that came in in seventy three and went right through to to its ninety seven, and that has its own kind of attachment for yeah. us. But there's a whole generation, and and you've seen some of the online polls this week. That's majority have been voting to to keep the badge. The yeah, days. I did notice and that. You can't, yeah. you can't really ignore that. All right, then. Uh, the other thing, which we'll, we'll discuss briefly, would be to change the name of the stadium. Now, something Stuart Donald said last night on BBC Radio in Newcastle was the stadium alight. If it was Roker Park, he wouldn't even consider it. If it was St. James's Park, that kind of established name, because you know what happened over there. Um, but because it's the, called the Stadium of Light, I, I, I know you just said about that, about the badge, Rory, but how do you feel about the name of the, the, the stadium? Possibly, you know, I hope it's not anything like the Doritos Stadium or anything yeah. like that. But how would you feel if it was uh, the Stadium of Light, and then it says something like, Hosted by Woolworths or something like that. I don't know. B and M. Something like yeah. B and M, that'd be yeah. good. The B and M stadium. It's quite happy. Yeah. Of a WAM stadium, that was in the stand. Yeah, yeah, good. yeah. Um I think it's all about like say you you wouldn't want it to be like a crap sponsor, um, like a lot of grounds in the lower leagues have. It has to be the right fit. Um so I don't know, it depends what it is. I'm not a big fan in general of stadiums having sponsorship names. And I think the thing is as well. Everyone knows it by the stadium alight. If the if the name officially got changed, it would still be referred to by most people as the stadium alight. Yeah. And I think most Sunderland fans just call it the stadium or the, like the stadium. Or if you're texting, if you're texting yeah. S lowercase or capital L, L as yeah, well. Sol, yeah. <laughs> but yeah. so yeah, I think people just say the stadium anyway. So I don't think it would make a difference much really. But at the same time, you don't want to have like a crap name because that is a bit embarrassing, really. But do you like the name Stadium of Light? I Don't. think it's a bit naff anyway. I mean, I've I yeah. never went to a single game at Roker Park, so the Stadium of Light's all I've ever known. But I'm not a huge fan of the name. I think in the city in general, we don't do enough to celebrate our heritage, really. I mean, the new name of like the Northern Spire for the new bridge, that could be anywhere from Edinburgh to Manchester. Yeah. So I just think we need. If we were going to change, it would have to be something that really kind of celebrates our cultural identity as a city, rather than something like you say, like a sponsorship name or something along those lines. I'd hate for us to be a club like without being too critical. Something like Bradford changes their stadium name every year, and you don't know if it's called the, what, the JG Windows or Conservatories yeah. or you know, you know, Infesticide or whatever. Yeah, but, the, um, the really big stand and really little stand yeah. stadium. I, I well, that's think, another thing as well. We name have been one of those clubs as well that would that would change it regularly. Where you've got Arsenal, we've got Emirates, and they've mm. had that since yeah. since two thousand and four. Yeah, I, I don't think we'd be one of those clubs would be changing it all the time. And I think it would just be a little bit gimmicky. We did used to have. Um, do you remember when the stadium first opened? Did, weren't the corners called the McDonald's enclosures? 
I remember, I remember like that. the North. Well, isn't the North Stand still the Carlin North Stand? I remember the East Stand when I first yeah. started going to games as McEwen's. Yeah, yeah. Um, mm. And wasn't the South Stand like Metro Radio South Stand at one point? Like well, they, again, they this is all the... sort of like 2000, 2001 yeah. sort of mm. time. But the stands did used to have sponsors. Yeah, um, there was a McDonald's family enclosure. I think my family yeah. was getting that earlier. Yeah. So yeah, stands. I don't know like... if the Hamburglar was there every game or anything like that, you know, <laughs> or Ronald himself. Yeah, there's plenty of clowns on the pitch though. Hey! Hey! There he is. <laughs> continue with the McDonald's theme. Yeah, yeah, you yeah. Could have, you could take the corners out and fill them with like chip packets because they would look just like a corner of the ground. That's a good point. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like but filled the, with chips. I think you might have just missed that though because it looks like the final phase, Richard, yeah. of the seats has uh, has happened. Roy, yes, you're laughing. Oh, no, nothing. Oh, was it in-joke, was it? No, Off it was mic, a little, 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 little in-joke, which wouldn't be suitable for on-mic. Well, that's all right, then. Keep, yeah, keep it clean. Yeah. Think um, PG. Well, let's, uh, let's hear from the, the Sunderland manager, Mr. Jack Ross. Uh, and in his pre-match uh, press conference, uh, he spoke to, uh, first of all, Nick Barnes from BBC Radio Newcastle. Glenn Lewins will be back in the squad. Obviously, Glenn's trained now for a couple of weeks properly. Um, so just strengthen us a little bit in that area. We have a couple of doubts um, that will... Um, we'll see how they are um, over the course of this afternoon. Um, if they don't make it, then it leaves us a little bit tight numbers-wise again. But still got enough, you know, that, that takes us here of a healthy squad. Um, one thing that you have had in the last three, four weeks is some stability hmm. at the back, and I guess there's a correlation there between the fact you're keeping clean sheets now. You've had the, the settled centre-back partnership. Reese has done well at left back, and, and you have had a, a settled back five, if you like. It definitely helps, and it's no reflection on those that were playing in defensive areas earlier in the season. Because I think individually, a lot of their performances were good. And as I mentioned, that I don't think we were defending horribly through the early part of the season. But that continuity selection has, has helped us. Because I've mentioned often enough about the, the key aspects of probably a back four or a back three, any point of the distances and the relationships between people. And we're we're getting better at that. I did a lot of hard work on it again this morning, um, and they're starting to to get the rewards for it. But that settled part of the team has helped you know I think if you look at most teams that they end up having successful seasons they've usually got that fairly settled back line up um, The logistics of this hmm. game as well I mean you've spoken a couple of times about you know one of the things as a manager you have to uh, address is the is the challenges you face now in this country of some of the journeys well this is a this is challenging yeah. to, to say the least Yeah it's uh, it, I mean, I'm fortunate that the support network I've got around me at the club is good and by nature, I kind of am a planner anyway. So in terms of our schedules, is normally known quite far in advance. But then the all the other logistically, the last space of travelling um, gets taken care of by um, other people at the club. But this is a difficult one. Yeah, there is no really easy way of doing it. So, um, but we'll travel tomorrow and we'll sacrifice a training session in the morning. But it's, isn't really a big deal because all our prep work is done usually before then anyway. Um, but it's a it's one that you. You want to make sure you have a positive result because it's a long way back up the road as well. I mean, but the point's often made by managers in the lower leagues that the journeys that some clubs have to do, mm-hmm. and Plymouth and Exeter are two good examples because they've got to travel two, three hours yeah. before they even reach the next club, is it's very, very good for the team bonding and that side of the, of the game. Yeah, it, it, I think it only helps to strengthen it. I, again, it... If you're in a good place as a club and, you, and results are going well, obviously it helps, and and you get less complaints or moans or dissent about either the length of the travel or where you're staying or what's for dinner or whatever it might be. So, um, there's been adjustment for us because we've came from being a Premiership club to in League One in, in you know, 20 months. So, 
I'm sure there is aspects of our travelling and accommodation, etc., that were very different in the Premiership, and I dare say in, in partly the Championship as well. So that has been a change. But again, if you what we've managed to put together as a group of players, still appreciate that it's still not too bad. So, um, and the incentive is if you want to keep improving it, then just make sure we get back up the leagues. So it's, it's part of this league. It's part of the how different it is the excitement of it, and you know. I think I've certainly not. I think the players are looking forward to it in a strange way. I'm just looking forward to playing again, albeit um, very far away. I mean, you've spoken to the challenge for you of second guessing the mm. opposition manager. Now, I understand from what I'm told, Derek Adams very, very rarely strays from 4 3 3, which is probably just put the kiss of death on that one. <laughs> yeah, he's. Um, I think there's been, they've been fairly consistent in their approach to games this season, and, and to Derek's credit, um, even when they were having a really difficult spell earlier they continued to play in quite an expansive way and try and play and I, I, I think I said the same thing prior to, to Chris bringing his South End team I often think that suits us better um, and everything I've seen at Plymouth has indicated that they will play in that manner now that means that they can cause you problems in forward sense and the number of goals they've scored in the last two games highlights that but equally it hopefully makes the part quite big at times and which I think we're good at taking advantage of as well so I'm, I'm looking forward to giving that aspect it's one of those games that because of how they've set up and their last couple of results means it should be one that is an open match, which again, I think, lends itself to us producing a good performance. When you mentioned that difficult spell, I mean, take the Chelsea game out of the equation this week in the Checker Trade Trophy. They scored seven in the last mm. two. I mean, Freddie Lapido is banging them in, as they say. I mean, they, they have turned a corner by those things. And Derek Adams' record at Plymouth is very, very good. So perhaps the start of the season was a bit of a sort of an odd sort of blip in, in mm. his sort of trajectory. Yeah, I mean, I'm pleased. I know Derek um, to a degree personally, um, naturally because of where his playing career and, and what his coaching career has been in Scotland. And um, he's somebody who's, since he moved to Plymouth, has enjoyed a long, consistent period of good times. And so I'm pleased that he's managed to maybe turn around some of that perhaps unjustified criticism I think he was receiving earlier in the season. Um so it's a tough game for us. It, it, it so often happens in this league, um, and we've had it conversely. We're know maybe a little while ago people were pointing to the fact that we hadn't played many teams in the top half, and yet I think now we have, because some of those teams that we played early in the season, I think looking away, country away, people might not have thought it was fantastic results. I think if you look at where they are now and how they're doing, then that those points become all of a sudden better. So it's Plymouth away early in the season. People might have thought it was an easy game because of how they started the season. All of a sudden now becomes much more difficult because of the recent forum. So that, that changes kind of on a, a two or three week basis and the challenges you face. But um, it's a game that, it's another one, as I said, I think that suits us more than anything else. I mean, the reality is, I mean, last season, Plymouth were playoff contenders, yes. just about. And I think they're probably now finding that form again. It's interesting because there's sort of a mirror on Sunderland in terms of, you know, two Scottish managers and there's a, quite a few Scottish players. Quite yeah. a few actually from St Mirren at Plymouth as well. Yeah, I mean, obviously, the, the, I mean, a player that's made a huge contribution to Derek's time at, at Plymouth is Graham Carey, and, and both John Potter and I actually played with Graham. Um, I initially in his loan spell from Celtic, and by that time I was on my way out from the game, and then he went back there for a second spell, but John played with him in that, and so we know the quality he possesses, particularly in his left foot, and, and also if you look at his, his record over the seasons in terms of goals and assists, he's made a massive contribution to them, so... Um, He's a player amongst others and followed areas that possesses quality for 
I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements. Featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Welcome back to the Wise Men Say podcast. That was the thoughts of Jack Ross going into this weekend's fixture against Plymouth Argyle. But what do we know about Plymouth Argyle? Uh, well, they've won three of their last five. The last two games I've actually won. Uh, they won away at Scunthorpe by four goals to one, and they beat Gillingham at home 3-1. That was the last couple of games. Uh, players to watch out for. Um, Freddie Ladarpo. The pause there made us, made us think you were going to be like, players to look out for... No one. <laughs> well, I'm not that funny no. <laughs> on this occasion. Uh, also, a player called uh, Grim Carey's got three goals. Um, but that uh, Ladarpo uh, has uh, eight goals. So he's pushing Josh Pretty good return Pretty for good return. someone lower down. Uh, they are currently 22nd in League One, uh, but they, they look like they could be pulling away a little bit because of their, their, their recent form. They've uh, conceded the fourth most goals in the league. 27. Which is positive for us. Yeah, we always score. Team re- we got some yeah. kind of record going We're on. the only team outside the Premier League who hasn't not con- who hasn't failed to score, yeah, but the Premier League's obviously a little bit behind. Um, the interesting thing at Plymouth at the minute, though, um, Derek Adams, who's been in charge now for a, f- for a few years, did you see his com- he made comments a few weeks ago um, saying the f- fans had been like yobbish behaviour because they'd been like bi- basically like getting quite vocal against him because they'd been doing quite poorly. And the club released a statement like kind of reminding um, people to be nice, like supporters of their duties and stuff like that. So obviously they've won the last um, two league games, so that's kind of like seems to have calmed things down a little bit. And obviously he got them promoted out of league too, so I think he's got like a bit of cash in the bank. They finished seventh last year, so they did have quite a good season. So it's it's interesting. The fact that they've not been able to carry any sort of momentum on. Um, yeah. I don't know how that season went, if they fell out of the playoffs or if it was like a late run and they just didn't have enough. Mm. Um, so it, it's interesting. Like, is it a good time to play them? Because they've won these last two. Would you rather? But you'd probably rather be playing them on this back of this horrible run. Like, obviously you're fearing. Oh, but are we going to like break yeah. that curse? But at the minute, as I was saying before, we look so much better than most teams. We shouldn't be fearing going to aside who are 22nd in the league or wherever they are who are very very low down we should have every bit of confidence that if we can turn over Doncaster well I know not turn over but the end of the Doncaster game it did feel quite comprehensive like those last 20 minutes we were pretty much totally in control if we can do that at Doncaster who are one of the team's better leagues South End as well we've I know we've obviously gone over the game, but going into that game, we were top of the form table. South End was second. Yeah, I don't think enough's been made of that. The fact that a team come with a lot of momentum, who have been really up for the game, which has yeah. gone, nah, swatted them aside. So 
Plymouth away, I don't... Well, maybe I do mean it a bit disrespectful. Like, we should be going over there and, and walking it. If we want to get promoted, it's how we have to think of these games. I'd like to think that Plymouth will be far more worried about us than what we are of them. I think increasingly more yeah. so because of our recent form. I think the beginning of the season it was a real scalp for teams and we're yeah. slowly starting to see a, a sea change there where people are starting to be a little bit more intimidated yeah. rather keep, than Keep it tight. It. Let's, yeah. hope, let's try... Like, a point would be a good result is yeah. what they're starting to think now. Yeah. You're exactly right. And you kind of saw that from... From South End as the game went on as well, when they like try to tighten things up at one nil um, and just like try and like just get into those last twenty minutes. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like I say, it sh- it shouldn't be an issue. It, sh- it should be a comfortable another clean sheet as well. I think we should That'd be aiming be for. I mean, if you're a Plymouth fan, you're looking at our lineup last week. You're looking at our bench: Oviedo, Ian McGeady. We've got the top scorer in the league on the bench as well, Josh Madger. You look at it and you think, well, Vayton causes problems all over the pitch. So, like I say, we need to go in for mentality. The Plymouth need to worry about us rather than the other way around. But I think a bit of a takeaway comment from Jack Ross's pre-match press conference. He said that Plymouth, even when they were struggling, to try to play quite an ex- expansive brand of football. And he argued that that suited us more this season when so clubs we were matched to play. Them with yeah. That. yeah, yeah. So when clubs are trying to match <clears> us, we because we have superior quality, we tend to. Find that sort of game easier, so that was heartening. I think to hear it's the teams Plymouth. that have like tried to rough us yeah, up where yeah. we struggled, but we're getting that li- little nasty streak in us. Yeah. Um, I know South End fans are pr- were seemed that they were quite annoyed with the refereeing, but I thought the referee on Saturday was quite good. The fact that he just let yeah. the game, he didn't try to give too many cards out. Catamore definitely should have been booked for that for yeah. that challenge, but the amount of times Catamore gets booked for his first foul, yeah. I think you know, fair but enough. Again, I think that was quite clever management from Jack Ross. I don't know if anyone else saw the quotes, but in the run up to the South End game. He made the comment that referees are surrounding, sorry, players are surrounding the referees all the time ah, right. during the game, and he says that like we're kind of like a little bit above that. We don't want to get engaged with right. that. Nice, but other teams, but other teams were doing it, and he thinks it's a little bit disappointing that referees are falling for it. So I think he might maybe planted okay. the seed in the referees' mind. It was almost Alex Ferguson esque. Yeah, about it. It but you did, you did but... see you have seen a little bit of nastiness. I mean, the Doncaster game was massive for it. Like the amount of <laughs> it's like street fight. It was both. It was both sides. To be fair, like, the amount of like Raj challenges <laughs> flying in, but. We don't seem to like shirk that now, mm. and like I think having a player like Maguire, like his like arrogance almost like bleeds into the rest of the team. When you've got like Catamol on form as well, when yeah. McLaughlin's like pulling these like great saves and being really commanding, the arrogance in the team grows, and that means when you know your backs against the wall, when the other team are like flying in you a little bit, you're not going to shirk it. You're going to feel up for it. Yeah. So. I think obviously the longer the form goes, obviously the better we'll be playing, but they won't be like scared of a team like trying to like drag us down to that like little bit more rough level. Like mm. th- they seem really up for it at the minute. Yeah, ab- absolutely. Uh, I can't believe we, we we didn't mention two things from the weekend's game. First of all, I thought that was the best refereeing display we've seen at Stadium Light this season. And the size of the physio for Southend. Did anyone see him? I didn't notice it. Yes. I went I went to the loo oh, when my um, injury was happening, so I missed see, him. I felt absolutely awful because obviously that was total League One. But because obviously we didn't realise the severity of the injury yeah. when, he, when he initially went down. So obviously we kind of give a bit of a way when he miscues the ball and it goes out of play. And then you see this like physio waddling down the touchline. <laughs> and obviously everyone's around us in the hysterics. And then like about 30 seconds later, actually this is quite bad, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> he is out, out for the season as well. He is yeah. a double ACL. Yeah. That is like yeah. really bad. Yeah. yeah, so obviously like you give him like a bit of an extra round of applause to like overcompensate. <laughs> you're like, always like, cheering him off, yeah. carrying him off yourself. <laughs> It was uh, uh, something we, uh, I thought I was going to flag, but we didn't get around to it. Um, so I guess we should start looking at uh, what Sunderland's side could be. Do you change it? I questioned the boys on uh, Monday because I wanted Nick Barnes's professional opinion on this question. <laughs> Can you change this winning side to get players like the you know the league's top goal scorer Josh Madger back in? 
Or do you keep the sim, Richard? Do you keep the sim side? I would I would rather bring Madger back in now. Um, I think he's, he's fully over that injury and... As much as I like Sinclair for his hard work and his and his and his kind of and his um and his yeah his hard work generally, mm. um, <laughs> his hard work and his harder work. work. The synonyms <laughs> tab wouldn't come up. <laughs> <laughs> Predictive text was yeah. just failing on his. No, um, yeah, he's hard working, but I'd rather be putting someone like Madger in and developing our own players rather than someone else's. Yeah. Yeah, good. yeah I, I I do agree, get Madger back in. Um, I personally wouldn't drop Sinclair, but that gives you the headache on who to drop. Um, I thought Dylan McGee actually had quite a good game. I know yeah, he got I'm took off quite early. Up, yeah. um, his, in, his, his reading of the game and his intercepting and his challenging in the first half, um, Southend were, were decent in that first half. We were only 1-0 up, but it was a tight game at half-time. McGee was instrumental. So in you're saying like a match rate in seven, maybe? <laughs> yeah, seven. Not a six. Not a six. Not it six. would be a seven. I think Craig gave him an eight, actually. Wow. wow. Overcompensating. Yeah, just make it for last week. Um, but you can't. I don't think you can drop Honeyman because I thought Honeyman played really well. His yeah. energy off the ball throughout the whole game. He's, he's goal well as well. He's press, yeah, really good goal as well. But he's, he's pressing, I think, off the ball. Maybe aside from Madger, I think he's probably our best player off the ball in terms of his closing down. Um, he puts other defenses under under the opposition defenses rather under pressure. Um, so it would be a bit of a toss up. Obviously, Catamol you wouldn't you wouldn't want to take out because he's one of your biggest leaders on the pitch. Might be harsh on McGeek, but I think that'd be the one to take out. Bring Madger back in because Honeyman does look better when he plays deeper. Mm-hmm. I guess you've got the issue. Maybe it's a bit too lightweight in the middle for a game away from home. Mm. That, that could be a worry, but Honeyman, I know he's a bit on the small side. He's not He's not a shrinking violet. He will get stuck in and he'll put himself about. Um, I think McGeek's a bit better in the air, which obviously gives you that. So it is It is a headache, but it's a nice headache to have. You can't leave Madger out if he's if he's fully fit. He, he has to play. Yeah, Maybe he just needed those couple of, games, couple of games on the bench and the, the game out as well. Um, Recharge his batteries a little bit. He's played a lot of games in the short amount of time, really. Yeah, hasn't? and I think Sinclair's an excellent option to have off the bench if it gets to sixty minutes. It's still nil nil. Yeah, that's true, and he yeah. definitely frightened defenses as well. That yeah. whole thing you said for in the you know, the first part of the podcast, the be- strength on the bench now. Yeah, yeah. You know, the, 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 the fitness of the away opposition uh, of or the home opposition this weekend, sixty minutes they'll be starting to flag, and then you bring in you know the pace and skill off the bench. Yeah, you're going to be frightened by that, right? Of course. I guess that like that's where Jack Ross's. Jack Ross being a better manager than us, well, obviously a better manager, but having a lot more knowledge than us comes into it. Um, the fact that he won't think of just his starting lineup, he'll think of what he's got on the bench. He'll think of that in in the plan whole, B. in the bigger picture. Not even necessarily Plan B, but even if we're winning, yeah. I'll get Sinclair. And it's good to have those options on the bench because if you're starting Madger and and Sinclair, you don't have the recognised strike on the bench. So yeah, and it's it's good to see the people fighting for positions and the starting lineup as well. Absolutely, yeah. Um, Competition there. Richard, and there's what more and Wiker to come back as well by the end of the year, so that's even more competition for places there. Yeah, I tell you, it was impressive. You talk about how methodical Jack Ross is when he did the talk in the, the Wise Men's Day live show um, the week before last, I believe it was. Um, when he was talking about what more, he wasn't just saying, "Oh, fantastic, we're getting Duncan what more back." He was talking about how he's going to utilize Duncan what more, yeah, yeah. and he's already got a plan of how he's going to use him. The thing in mind, which again. Sounds pretty basic, but it's just so refreshing to hear it, isn't it? After years, we're just like, oh, he's back, fantastic. like Straight in. Well, yeah. yeah, Simon Grace, and by all accounts, it did, did sound like he rushed him back and was just like, right, I'm chucking him out wide because he's really fast. And not that he didn't necessarily play well, like Brentford. I remember he had a really good game there last year. Um, but yeah, Ross having a plan, that is... Refreshing. Really refreshing. Like that, It should go without saying. It, it probably shows how 
like anyone who's listening to this who's not a Sunderland supporter, like it probably emphasizes how bad it's been the fact that we're in League One and we're really excited because we've got a manager <laughs> who, can who, who who just knows what he's going to do with an injured player when he comes back. Yeah. Uh, well, it's all exciting. We'll go around the room now, get predictions uh, for the weekend's fixture. Anyone anyone going down there, by the way? Can he trek? Not, no, not, not in this room. Matthew Keelan of these parishes, he's gone. So yeah, that's good. Respect. Yeah, respect mad, to anyone going down. Like, very long journey, especially if you're in the back of a car or something like that. Or even a bus. Ooh, yeah, yeah. Well, I've, I've done buses for like Southampton, Swansea, and back in the same day, and yeah. it's, it's quite grim. Yeah. All right, then, um, Michael, you can start us off with your prediction. 3 1 the lads. 3 1 the lads. We've got you next, Richard. 4 1 the lads. 4 1 the lads. Look at this, Rory. 4 0. Another clean sheet. 3 0 up at half time. Absolutely just romp home. That's what we like to do. 3 0 at half time. It's our style, isn't it, this season? We'll <laughs> always be remembered for that. We'll see. The other TNRs. Yeah, well. Maybe not. Um, we uh, we will be back in some form with uh, probably Gareth and Stephen on Monday evening where they'll be uh, chewing the fat from the weekend's fixture down at Plymouth. Thanks for joining us. See you next time. Serves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.